Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Almighty God, you who know all things and have set the universe in motion, grant us your wisdom that as we search for answers to our questions, we would discover your truth for our lives. We long for your wisdom that leads not to power or fortune, but the wisdom that leads to faith and love. Give us the confidence to see your will in the midst of mystery. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. First Corinthians 10, 23, 24. Everything is permitted, but everything isn't beneficial. Everything is permitted, but everything doesn't build others up. No one should look out for their own advantage, but they should look out for each other. The word of God for the people of God. We are committed to raising a generation of faith, and we are so blessed to have young voices in worship. There are so many congregations that really lack that, and so it's something that I greatly appreciate. Now, the children's uh, moment was basically the sermon, so I'm not sure how to add to it. Uh, we might just say amen and call it a day, and I'll go home a little early, uh, but maybe we can build on that just a touch. This was the cover of Time. Uh, I forget, I think it was in 2014, maybe September. I wrote my notes and then I left them somewhere. So, uh, very interesting. Never offline. Technology is all around us. It takes many forms, from the, uh, from the organ to the piano to the microphone I'm speaking into to the speakers that you're hearing me through, the internet that you're listening to this on, and the Facebook live feed that you see me on. We have been up close and personal with uh, technology and the lack of technology these past few weeks, from the pry bars, the dust masks, the gloves, the wheelbarrows, the dehumidifiers, the fans. Technology has been seen and been uh, kind of conspicuously absent from homes in the Gulf Coast in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Technology literally encompasses our bodies, from the machines that made our clothes the chemists that process and made our deodorant, toothpaste, soap, and shampoo. Technology, it seems, is ubiquitous, and it's everywhere. It's so ubiquitous that it can be very difficult to define. I like to define it as, uh, I like to define it as the application of a science to life. And that's not too far from the dictionary definition. And there are a number of kind of gut reactions to technology. Uh, maybe you're a gearhead uh, and uh, next to newest kind of person, someone who watched Apple's keynote and put the date, uh, the release of the iPhone X on your calendar. Any, anyone want to admit to that? Mm-hmm. Some, no, some of you. Okay. <laughs> For you next and newest folks, uh, technology is a good thing, something that adds to life and makes things easier and more effective. Technology is always good. good. And maybe there are those of you who are skeptical of technology, or you uh, try and use it, and it frustrates you uh, because the old ways are the best ways, and you see technology as getting in the way of stuff. So as we look at technology, we begin to see sort of a, a spectrum of use, right? You have kind of full adoption, bring all the technology on, it's all good all the time. And you have over here sort of a rejection of technology, sort of like the Amish, as say technology can lead to very bad things. 
And then somewhere in the middle is a little bit of uh, moderation, right? Technology's good, it just depends kind of on what it is. And people, of course, that'll be there for the rest of the time. I promise I'll just leave it up. It's, uh, it's good just to watch. I love it. <laughs> people, of course, they, they fall in the middle of these markers here and there. But for the most part, we choose to take one of the three views when it comes to technology. So looking at this, uh, to me, it only shows how we approach technology. It doesn't take the time to ask an underlying question. Is there a moral choice when it comes to technology? Can technology be morally responsible? Or is technology good? Or is technology bad? Because uh, this is where we're going to be heading. To. This is kind of the crux of the issue. We all have questions, and we all have questions about our faith, and we are seeking answers. We're going to be asking questions in this series like, why do bad things happen to good people? I might come back next week for that one. Or will there be animals in heaven? Come back in two weeks for that. And we're going to close this series with the question, what does karma, crystals, and astral planes have to do with Jesus? But today, before we get there, we're going to wrestle with the question of technology and its role in our faith journey. This question has been considered over time and given a thorough treatment from scholars, theologians, and philosophers, none of which has been as thorough as Marvel Comics magnum opus Iron Man. <laughs> Tony Stark. Tony Stark, apart from being a billionaire playboy, is a futurist, right? He adopts technology wholesale without hesitation in considering its moral application. Mr. Stark is concerned about the bottom line, the profit of his company. In fact, he turns a blind eye because he's, uh, he manufactures weapons for defense when his company begins dealing to rogue nation states and warlords. It is then he realizes that maybe, just maybe, technology is not morally neutral. Let's consider for a moment that you are a doctor in a war zone. You see soldiers every day under horrific conditions. And some of these soldiers live and some of these soldiers die. As a doctor, it is your duty to help these people. So uh, some of them come to you with wounds and you stitch them up and then you give them pain uh, medicine to ease their physical pain. Those same pain meds that you gave soldiers for good reasons can also be used for less than noble reasons. Some soldiers begin abusing them, uh, taking these pain meds, and some soldiers uh, even become addicted to them. Should you cease the administration of these medicines? Are you morally responsible for other people's misuse of a thing that was intended for good? Well, let's consider for a moment uh, that you've been contracted by an employer to harness the power of the atom. Your employer is seeking a vast energy source that can power tens of thousands of homes with very little spent or wasted energy. Coal power is practical, oil power works, but atomic energy is more efficient. And let's say you split the atom, and in doing so, you recognize that the splitting of the atom could be used as, in an outward blast, as a weapon. Do you have a responsibility to only make sure the technology is used for energy empowering homes? Or do you wash your hands of it? People might misuse the technology, but that's not your fault. These two points show that technology and faith is anything but clear. And that we as Christians have to think deeply about our moral obligation to one another as we appropriate different technologies in our life. 
technology does not have the privilege of being morally neutral. That is to say, the technology of application is good or bad. It cannot be neither. So if you've been around United Methodist circles long enough, uh, you might have heard this term or this title of a book called The Book of Discipline. And uh, The Book of Discipline is systematically updated kind of every four years, and the book consists of a number of things that spell out the church's stance on particular issues. All that to say is that The Book of Discipline has a clause on technology. This is what it says. It says, we recognize, we being United Methodists, recognize medical, technical, and scientific technologies as legitimate uses of God's natural world when such use enhances human life and enables all of God's children to develop their God-given creative potential without violating our ethical convictions about the relationship of humanity to the natural world. Some of the words used to describe technology in the Book of Discipline are this. A conscientious, careful, and responsible way. You hear these words used all the time when describing it. Conscientious, careful, responsible. It goes on to say this. Science and theology are complementary rather than mutually incompatible. We therefore encourage dialogue between the scientific and theological communities and seek the kind of participation that will enable humanity to sustain life on earth and by God's grace increase the quality of our common lives together. Now, full disclosure, I am married to a scientist. I am married to, uh, to a geneticist, and we have this kind of conversation all the time uh, about kind of the moral responsibility of science, the moral responsibility of technology, and all of that. And we uh, got into a discussion yesterday, but I would like to pose this. I want to push this a little bit farther, and I'm going to argue this today. That science depends on theology, because science has no moral apparatus by which to determine if their technology is morally good or bad. Science, technology, engineering, design all need theology, and theology needs those sciences because they inform each other, and when we allow the studies to inform each other, we develop a clearer picture of our reality. So we heard earlier from 1 Corinthians, and it says, everything is permitted, but everything isn't beneficial. Everything is permitted, but everything doesn't build others up. No one should look out for their own advantage, but they should look out for each other. It's interesting that Paul writes these words. And now, to be clear, Paul is talking about the Jewish law and Torah and food sacrifice to pagan gods, but his words have application outside of their historical context. So all things are permitted. Please hear that this morning. All things are permitted. Facebook is permitted. Working at Dow, BASF, is permitted. All things are permitted. Nuclear energy, advanced pain treatment are permitted. Coal and oil energies are permitted. But Paul adds these words. Not all things are beneficial. Facebook isn't always beneficial. Certain chemicals can harm the drinking water, endanger wildlife and ecosystems. Nuclear power can be weaponized and used indiscriminately. Mountains can be stripped and bulldozed for coal. Not all things are beneficial. Technology is complicated. And unless we cloister ourselves with the Amish, we will have to faithfully engage the technology of the day in a way that honors God and builds others up. So we've talked about technology and faith way up here, sort of like at the 30,000 foot level. And what I want to do now is I really want to bring it down to where the rubber meets the road, sort of in our everyday lives. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Kick, Tumblr, Snapchat, 
the ubiquitous social media, you name it. You can't escape this stuff. Uh, Facebook came out in February of 2004. Folks, it's 13 years old. It has more than 1.7B with a billion users, growing to 2 billion. It's gigantic. You cannot escape it. And it troubles me that sometimes we don't seem to have a communal ethic, a guiding principle on what to post on Facebook and what, what not to post on Facebook. It troubles me that people have committed suicide over the bullying they have endured through social media. It troubles me that a picture can be spread so far and wide so quickly that someone's reputation can be dismantled with a single regrettable photo. It troubles me that digital technology has eclipsed our best practices regarding law. Digital law and best practices are being written as we speak, and yet we seem to have no problem engaging in social media without a second thought. So allow me to be the voice that says today a word of caution about social media. Slow down. Slow down. The lie of social media, its siren call, is that you'll be more connected, whatever that means, uh, more connected now more than ever. Look at your snap streak, your story, the number of friends you have, the number of retweets and follows you get. You're popular, you matter. Folks, social media does not care about that. I would argue that social media fosters more voyeurism, comparison, depression, and anxiety than in any of its other positive virtues. This isn't to say that it's without its positive features. I just want to vocalize caution. So my wife and I have this silly saying in our home. You know, we'll be sitting on the couch, uh, the kids are asleep, or maybe they're awake, I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, you're kind of scrolling through your phone, right, looking at stuff. Some of you nodding, and then you might catch the other person. We have this silly, ridiculous sort of uh, question. When, when one of us catches the other doing that, we say, um, oh, how's your self-worth doing? <laughs> it's as if our self-worth, right, is determined by what happens on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat. It's as if our self-worth is determined by that. But our self-worth is not determined by that. Our self-worth is determined by the fact that we are children of God. We are made in the image of God. And our self-worth is determined by the community that we share with one another. So today I want to sound the alarm on social media. Slow down. Don't buy into the lie. You are more than your social media account. Think about what you post and think about it, whether or not it builds up or tears down. So I really, really wanted to title this sermon, God Hates Your iPhone. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a provocative title, it would get people talking, but I didn't want to lose my, spo my sponsorship with Apple. So um, I'm pretty sure, too, that God loves the iPhone. I mean, what's not to love about it? It does everything. The wisdom of the internet at my fingertips, the connectivity of texting, email, phone calls, social media, there it is again, all within a swipe's distance. The newest apps, the newest tech. But there's one big problem with the phone. One big problem. The phone creates a virtual space that stops you from engaging the reality around you. You get sucked in, right? You kind of get sucked into the virtual world of the phone. And all of a sudden, you become emotionally impacted by what is going on on your phone instead of paying attention to those sitting right next to you. It becomes a distraction, a sort of escape mechanism from our lives. So today, I need to sound the alarm on the phone. 
Technology can become a distraction from things that matter the most, like family, friends, God, community, and loved ones. A simple challenge. When you go to lunch this afternoon, right after the service, there's a small function on your phone. It's on the side, and it's a, sometimes a rectangular button. If you hold it down, your phone may, it just may power off. I don't know if your phone's different than mine. Sometimes you might have to Google how to turn your phone off. I don't know. I would just encourage you to take that challenge. So maybe turn your phone off at lunch and see what happens. See what you notice. See how your conversations change. And if you say, okay, Josh, that's absolutely crazy. I am not turning my phone off. You don't understand. Okay, I'll go with you. That's fine. I'm going to invite you to, to flip it over when you sit down at the table. Put it screen down. Or, even better, put it in a drawer when you get home. I, I don't know what works for you. Get it off of your person. Get it away from your face so that you can engage with the folks you're sitting with at lunch. This is going to radically change the way that you eat meals together. It'll radically change the way uh, we talk with each other, the way that we engage each other. I believe our challenge going forth is to think critically about how we use technology. From the big stuff like nuclear power, hydroelectricity, to the small stuff like what you post on Facebook, or how often you pick up your phone just out of habit. This is a much bigger conversation than you've heard in the past 15 minutes. But I hope, I pray, that we as a community are not afraid of technology. That we are a community that affirms technology in all of its good ways. And I hope and I pray that we can be a community that carefully uses technology in morally and ethically appropriate ways. May we each challenge the other to fully consider how technology impacts our relationship with God and with other people. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.